0: All right, folks, Barack Lurie on the Barack Lurie Podcast. I want to uh, introduce our guest again. He's come back, Larry Greenfield, the great Larry Greenfield, uh, who we've already introduced before. He's a great guy. And uh, the podcast was so successful, Larry, that uh, I decided that I had no choice. As much as I I can't stand your presence, I I guess I have no choice now but to have you on the show. So anyway, welcome back.
1: Thank you so much. Unfortunately, often the good things that happen to me are because the other party has no choice. So <laughs> that's not unusual for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Well, okay, you're always a very modest guy, very humble. I love that about you. And look, I, you know, Larry, so I was on... Let's see. It's very interesting. I was on Newsmax this morning and also on... Uh, what was it? BNC. I keep on forgetting what, what channels I'm on. I was on BNC, which is... Um, a black news channel, I believe it's, it's called, and a very popular um, network. And uh, they tend to run liberal, although, in fairness to them, they had a couple of uh, guests, conservative guests like us. But more, I think, I think they were hoping to uh, th- think that we'd be on the defensive. You know, we're not that bad sort of guys. You know, that sort of argument is what they expected, right? So we should explain why conservatives are so crazy, that sort of thing. You know, why is it that conservatives are doing this? Well, you know, because we conservatives are just idiots and we just don't know what we're doing. And, you know, that's the reason why. So they have this narrative, and this is what they trotted out yesterday, that there was the big lie of the Trump election being stolen, the 2020 election being stolen. And, and then, they, you know, it's, it's like an established fact, Larry, that it was a big lie that that larry that um that trump is saying that it was stolen. Now that is is the big lie and just like goebbels said in uh world war 2, you know, eventually people will believe if you keep on doing it. Do you think that's the uh the hope that trump does uh, that he's pushing uh, there, Mr. Larry? <laughs> and and how are conservatives um you know going to be dealing with this because nobody, you know, because it's the big lie. And won't that hurt them if they were to pursue and you know, if they don't support trump? And I I made a very plain Oh, I agree with him. There is a huge number of issues in this election, and I think it was stolen. And I proceeded to say that there are about I don't know nine or ten anomalies that have never been shown before. And and uh, suddenly that the Democrats think this is the most perfect election ever. And so so I so I talked about that, and uh, I really had a good time on the show because I think I, I so I. I so trumped, pardon the pun, what they expected to be coming out of my mouth that they just didn't know what to say. I, I, I'm not saying that I was brilliant. I just, I'm just, i just saying that they were not prepared, they, right? That, that, that's, the, the, that's the problem that they have.
1: We live in a world where conservatives read liberal and progressive newspapers and magazines and online journals and are exposed to Hollywood liberalism and watch the nightly news or its peers today, the dominant media culture is not only liberal, it's moved far left. Yeah. But we're used to their arguments, as we are with liberal professors. The entire academic experience of anyone who goes through the social sciences, by the way, from kindergarten on up now. Right. And yet the left is rarely exposed to conservative thought, especially articulate, thoughtful Informed,
0: Right. They, they have zero idea what we think. It's, it's amazing. I'll ask you. Uh, I don't know if I see this before, Larry, but, uh, you know, we've known each other for so many years. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here. And I'm going to say to you a statement, not a question, a statement. None of your far left friends, and even maybe your liberal friends for that matter, but certainly none of your left friends have ever asked you the following question. Larry, you seem like such a bright guy. Tell me, what, what has that brought you to conservatism? Why, why are you conservative? Right? Nobody's ever asked you that. No, I'm happy to volunteer I that because I've thought deeply about it, but right. they rarely do ask that. Yeah. Right? No, for me, never. Yeah. Absolutely never. And the minute that they do, then they and if they're actually open, and, and if they say a question like, how could you be such an idiot to vote for Trump? You know, that's yes, that's a question, but that's not really a question, right? Mm-hmm. It's an attack. Uh, but if they're really thoughtful of it, and they say, "Tell me why," you know, I, I really want to understand because because I really like you, Barack. I like you, John. Whatever your might. and I just, I mean, I just don't know why you voted for Trump. So can can you help me understand? And then, and if that's the case, then then you answer the question. We do, we don't need to drill down on that. But I I want to I want to just go on a little bit more because of BNC, um, this this channel. So at one point at, at toward the end. I said, and I somehow segued into this, and I said, look, I'll make you a deal, everyone. And uh, I said, I I will vote Democrat for the rest of my life if you can show me one Democrat policy that has worked. Mm -hmm. Just one, okay? And (laughs) there there was silence for a long time, and they'd never heard that question. So after that... uh, the, the the woman just said well i will say uh you know that that's all the time we have for now and, and then she just but i will say that the blm uh, protests were mostly peaceful right and I said, I, I said first of all it had nothing to do with the question that i just said right or the challenge that i had just made um uh, but then she wanted that to be the last word and i said not in my neighborhood it wasn't. So that that and and she was again trumped up. It was very fun, I had to say. But anyway, this is the interesting dynamic that goes on. But you wanted to say something.
1: Well, there must be a level of frustration in the monolithic liberal elite media culture that we're not going away and that alternatives have arisen, and whether it's TV or or cable news, or podcasts, uh, anyone listening to this should take some pride in the fact that we are the counter to the assumptiveness of a Speaker Pelosi, who literally said to the press the other day, I'm counting on you to better sell my message. When confronted, is the democratic narrative not seeping through? You seem to be losing in the polls. The Democrats can't get their act together on spending or the infrastructure bill or foreign policy or the border. And she said, well, maybe you guys need to sell our policies better.
0: (laughs) I I, I love it. You're so right. I do remember that now. Thank you for bringing that up. And by the way, it's a beautiful segue into where we want to go. And the latest uh, big news that you're hearing about is uh, Biden now trying to say how they need to fix the supply chain problem that we now have. And we've had actually for easily a year. And uh, anyone who's bought, bought their kid a bike, for example, a new bike or ordered it online, uh, has discovered that they're still waiting for their bike uh, a year later. Uh, hint, hint, that's me. I ordered a nice bike for my my son and it still ain't here. It's, I ordered it last November, and now we're here in middle of October. Anyway, um, and I still don't know if it's ever going to come. But bottom line: supply chain problems are, are here, and the Biden administration once again talks about it as if it's suddenly, you know, descended upon them, which is very strange. So, look, we talked before about any policies that have worked, but let's let's briefly talk about, and, and then then I want to get to the why because I want to, in, in, in one sense, kind of. Capture a picture of what's going on, and then I want to explain why it's happening, or at least you know explore with you why it's happening every policy, everything that the Biden administration has touched thus far, which is not even a year into his uh presidency, and I say that with an asterisk, of course, every single thing that he has touched has failed. there's not a single thing you can say that he's improved, okay so Inflation, for example, they they claimed that there's no problem with inflation; it's only uh, sporadic or temporary at best, and of course it's just you know happening faster every month. Uh, then we have the um, the immigration crisis at the border; that's horrific. Um, that is certainly not working. Whatever whatever goal that they're trying to hope to achieve there, which I I think is purposeful. I think at some point you know you know the answer of how to fix this problem, and you specifically undo that answer. Okay, you're doing it on purpose. Uh, then you've got Afghanistan, of course, with what happened there. What an ultimate disaster. It's the greatest foreign policy blunder in the history of America. I, I don't know what else could have been worse. I just don't know. I, I, I challenge my listeners. Let's put it this way. I'll challenge my listeners to, to tell me a foreign policy disaster that was worse than what Afghanistan was. You might say uh, the Bay of Pigs. Okay. Uh, no, that's not it. Uh, The Bay of Pigs was just a a, a botched effort to overthrow the Cuban government. It was not well uh, handled. Um, That's true. But uh, just we destroyed, uh, leaving $85 billion worth of equipment, we didn't do that. Leaving Americans behind, we didn't do that. Right? So there's a lot of of differences. Everything that he's touched, including the uh, $3.5 trillion bill and the Black Lives Matter issues how he's handling Israel, there's not a single thing that has worked. Nothing. Everything is worse under Biden. There's, I, I, there's just nothing you can point to that you can say, well, now it's better.
1: And it isn't a function of bad luck. It's a function of policy, like you said. If you say, let's defund the police, let's demoralize the police, let's uh, not enforce criminal law, you'll have more crime. If you make policies in California that there's no more felony if you steal $950 worth of goods from a CVS, then the people in San Francisco will no longer have pharmacies to go to because they'll all close. If you tell the Iranians we want to get back into a negotiation with you, the Iranians, clever chess players that they are, will bargain hard and you'll make no deal. If you tell the left that they have a veto over the infrastructure bill, because they want to get a much bigger $3.5 trillion massive social engineering entitlement program, you won't get an infrastructure bill, even though you say that's the bill we want. If you tell the Afghan government and the Taliban, we're leaving, we're pulling out the military before we remove the civilians, the whole thing will collapse and we'll have tragedy. Uh, And if you tell the global economy, we're going to tax and spend, even money we don't have we're borrowing from our kids and grandkids and we're going to run hot with inflation you'll run into a supply chain problem
0: and so well and I'll even add to that if you if you tell people that they don't have to work because you've given them so much uh, in the way of unemployment checks uh, th- that they actually get more by doing by doing nothing than by actually going to work then then surprise surprise we have an unemployment problem here
1: right you'll have rising wages and companies saying I can't find workers yeah And then it becomes a cycle of inflation. And if you tell the American energy industry, we're going to put you in jail and we're hostile to you, but we support oil development abroad and the Russian pipeline, the Nord Stream 2 to Germany, then you're going to have energy inflation and a lack of supply. And coming out of COVID, increased demand means inflation. So at every level, everything they do, we're going to get rid of, as you mentioned, the Trump policy where you have to apply for asylum in Mexico. In order to yeah. apply to be a refugee in the United States, and we're going to have border control and a wall. And Biden says we're getting rid of all that.
0: Yeah, they, they actually they rescinded all the contracts regarding the wall.
1: Guess what? Mexican drug cartels and uh, smugglers are going to bring in drugs and human trafficking and abuse little girls and women yeah. and send two million people illegally across the border. Last sentence without checking to see if they have COVID, by the way. (laughs) Everybody else has to get tested or vaccination, but not people coming from the third world? Unbelievable.
0: And illegally, too. Uh, Look, I mean, and and we know that they're doing this on purpose, certainly the immigration issue. I I think that they want to collapse the economy as well. They know what it takes to uh, not have this supply chain problem. Uh, His answer, Biden's answer to this is, well, uh, regarding supply chain, Um, everything will be fixed if everyone gets vaccinated, right? Which is, you know, he doesn't show us the two plus two on that, but then again, two plus two doesn't necessarily equal four anymore. It's because it's racist. Here's the point. Everything we just went through, we just demonstrated how there's nothing that the Biden asterisk administration is doing that is working. And in fact, it's a utter catastrophe. There's nothing that he's doing that is working. Zero. Nothing. And the question is, you know, the ultimate question is why? Why, why is that happening? Let's, let's assume the very best of intentions. Let's say that he actually does want to make sure that we have a, only a minimum trickle of uh, immigration into uh, the country, which I don't believe. But let's say. Let's say he doesn't want inflation. Let's say that he wants everyone to be employed. Let's say he, he doesn't want a supply chain problem, um, that he wants uh, strength of, of America and the spread of liberty or whatever it might be. Well, that's actually a bad example. But, but let's say he, he didn't want uh, some sort of collapse of the Afghanistan uh, regime when we pulled out and, and all the mess and the kerfuffle that happened there. Let's say that he had only the best of intentions. Why, why is it that he seems to utterly fail everywhere? Partially because he's given a free pass
1: by the Beltway media, Katie Couric now admits that she purposely hid the truth that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, former Supreme Court justice, was opposed to protests and kneeling during the national anthem. She thought it wouldn't be good for RBG's left wing, you know, progressive image. So she just hid the news. So fake news is all over the place.
0: Okay, so you're thinking that the reason why the Biden administration and, all, and everything else is is because the media is so supportive of it and and everything else.
1: Well, and that's the way. That's the way they get away with everything. Right. But the reason they do what they do is because they never grow up and they never change their policy. They are just ideologues. Yeah. Who could have predicted? Who could have predicted the Democrats would be weak on the economy and weak on foreign policy? Gee, I'm really surprised. Mm-hmm. Was that not obvious that they lead toward war and terrorism on foreign policy and weakness and appeasement? And by the way, they don't make friends with foreign governments, which is always their argument against Republicans. Right. The Australians and the French aren't too happy. Right. Um, And the Europeans aren't too happy with the Afghan debacle. And the Middle Eastern countries aren't too happy with the tilting toward Iran, much less what the Israelis are thinking. Um, And, gee, what a surprise that Democrats have a bad economy on their
0: watch. (laughs) I I like everything you're saying. You're you're right, but I want to understand why everything is failing. Um, I I have an answer. I'm not saying it's the right answer. To me, you know, you and I like to play chess, right? Imagine, Larry, if you and I both play chess and we just kind of – we know how the pieces move – but we have no game plan whatsoever. We have no idea, in fact, that you're supposed to create a checkmate. You've heard the word maybe, maybe you've heard it, but you don't know what it is. And you just kind of move your pieces around, hoping somehow you'll win, but you don't know what winning is, right? So even if you somehow manage to take as many of the pieces of the other side and he's taking a lot of your pieces and such like that, well, what are you left with? Two kings, you know, kind of roaming around the board. Doing nothing. There's no checkmate. There's no sense of purpose, and that's what I think is happening in the Biden administration. They have no guiding principle, no no end game, no uh, understanding of what they want to do other than other than you know, uh, hearing these big programs. Uh, make a big program. Let's spend money. It's as if they think that you know. Well, we're in the government. Uh, we have the power of the purse. Let's do something. Come on. Let's go. So
1: redistributionist tax and spend. We used to call it liberalism, but now we call it progressivism. Right. That is their policy. That is their end game. It's about equity, which they call it, which is socialism. And their end game is to tear down the United States leadership abroad. We are the guilty white, privileged, bad nation. So it's anti racism, it's left wing economics, tax and spend socialism, redistributionism. And it's, I think, to inspire some chaos.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think inspiring chaos is the—I mean, it's, it's, cl- it's clear to me, just from looking at the border alone, that they want chaos. Uh, there's no way that you can look at that situation and say, well, you know, two million. Like you said, there's basically two million coming in through the border. Uh, and not expect that that will lead to a dramatic uh, instability in the country, wherever they may be going, and there's to say nothing about uh, crime.
1: Right, the crime rate in Chicago— why why would people keep voting for Democratic mayors, city councils, police commissions for decade upon decade, generation upon generation, when those cities are much more violent crime than Republican areas? That's just simple, honest calculation.
0: Yeah. You know, what happens for a lot of people is because of the imperative or the incentive to get something for nothing is so strong that they have to wait until the their neighborhoods are so crime infested and their lives are so miserable before they will consider, consider uh, voting for a Giuliani, for example. That's what happened in New York City. And of course, the, the whole city turned around because of this great man named Rudolph uh, Giuliani. And he doesn't get the credit now anymore for, for whatever reason, but he did a fantastic job. We all know that. And within the span of, I think, a year, year and a half, suddenly New York City became a very pleasant place to live and a very wealthy place for that matter, and it was very productive again. So that, that's, that's the problem. But here, here's the thing. I, I, I'm talking about guiding lights. It, it, in the same way we were about chess before, if you were to write a book, right, and you just, you know, you put a, a, a proverbial piece of paper and a proverbial uh, manual typewriter, okay, like, like you see in the old movies, and just say, okay, start writing, right? You, you type up a bunch of words on the page, and then, and then just, you type words, uh, or maybe just letters for that matter, not even words, and then uh, you keep on typing, like, uh, like the, the main character in uh, The Shining, right? And you end up just with a bunch of gibberish. And you, send it, you present it to your publisher and say, here you go. And he'd look at it and say, what the hell is this? And he'd be right. What is this book about? I don't think the Biden administration knows what it's about, let alone what America is about. I guess that's my point, Larry.
1: That's a great point. You would think for a culture, a party, the Democratic Party, a progressive movement, which prides itself on being the party of government and expertise, right, and the bureaucratic administrative state, and we, the smart people in Washington and New York, have all the answers. You would think just as social scientists, they would be disappointed in their performance over the last 50 to 80 years. You would think just their analysis of how democratic cities have performed, but it can't be an honest measurement.
0: No, it can't be. Something else is going on. And I, and I want to tee off of what you just said, Larry, because it's a great point. Uh, I want to go through um, a, a couple of points of that because I happen to have this great list. So let me share it with you. Okay, so everything that they've ever done and everything that they ever have backed as a policy or as a concept or as a warning has been wrong. Okay, so for example, the we, we've talked about this before on this podcast. Uh, we talked about the overpopulation scare, right? Back in the 70s, that turned out to be false. The, uh, Afghanistan and the disaster of Afghanistan, which is, of course, much more recent. Uh, this notion that somehow if we are nice to Cuba and reopen relationships with them, Cuba will become a good country and want to get back to the community of nations, uh, said no dictatorship, by the way, ever. It's just, that's our assumption. There there you go again, right? In the same way that they assume Republicans are racist and greedy and don't care about the environment, they assume that all dictators want to be part of the community of nations and that diplomacy works. Uh, They were wrong about communism, okay? The the Libs were fully backed backing the communist uh, regimes back in 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 the early 1900s. They were fully supportive of fascism, back in the 20s and the 30s. Yes, that's right. It's Roosevelt himself was was very admiring of Mussolini, Mussolini in particular. Absolutely. yeah. Uh, they're wrong about the virus, wrong about the estimated numbers of death. Uh, as you may remember, the claim was that there was going to be 2 million dead in America by August of 2020. That's last year. As you know, we're, we're barely over 20%, 25% of that number, okay? And that's, that's way later. Um, they were wrong about calling us crazy for saying that the virus came from a lab you and i knew that it came from a lab right away suddenly uh they're all behind it okay but we were crazy for suggesting it back then uh they were wrong that trump was racist to close down the border or or travel from china they were wrong about hydroxychloroquine and uh, the lancet magazine they were wrong about uh ivermectin we know that uh we now know that the vaccine is proving not to be protective um like, at all. In fact, you're, you're more likely to get the virus now if you've been vaccinated than if you haven't been vaccinated. We've seen that from the studies in Israel and the United Kingdom. Uh, They're wrong about the masks. They were wrong about 15 days to flatten the curve. That was a, talk about the big lie, right?
1: Mm.
0: And, and people don't want to talk about that. Anyway, on the bigger issues like global warming, over and over again, they, they keep on changing the goalposts. It does not work. Um, they were wrong about Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, right? They, they said somehow that he was a good guy. Well, now we know he was a bad guy. Uh, wrong about Clinton, wrong about uh, Epstein. Uh, that means Jeffrey Epstein, of course. Um, the stimulus bill back that Obama advanced before, that was, a tri- that was only 800 billion, only, you know, close to a trillion. And that was considered obscene back then, and it was obscene back then. And it didn't work before. But now, you know, if you put more money into it this time, it'll definitely work. Now they're wrong about inflation. Now they're wrong about defunding the police. They're wrong about gun control, um, because every single effort to limit guns has only led to increases in murder and crime in general. They were, they were wrong about the response to the Great Depression. Uh, come to think of it, Larry, I, I think there's nothing that they've ever been right about.
1: Nothing. They were even on the wrong side of civil rights. They were on the wrong side of slavery. They were on the wrong side of Jim Crow. They were on the wrong side of the KKK, which was the military wing of the Democratic Party. They've been basically wrong about the American idea, which is about merit and freedom and the American dream and opportunity, and has been a door opener to people all over the world who, if they come here legally, have been warmly welcomed. They're wrong about the spirit of our country, its mission, its goals, its founding. And they are living in a different ideology which has led to all their pathologies and sadly is apparently so attractive that they still feel they're protected by this cocoon of a media that won't hold them accountable. The only way to beat them is to beat them electorally. Then they're out of office. Uh, God
0: God willing, you're so right, Larry. This is a great point that you make. Um, It is the only way to beat them, but it only proves the point that when you offer something for free, that that is so tempting to so many people that they are willing to give up their freedom right i mean it 's like a u two song um, what you thought was freedom was just free right it 's a great line and i and I think that really you know hits the point so well in the head look uh One of the things I'm I'm always interested in is how the impact of policies, and I'm I'm assuming a clean election coming in 2022, 2024, that's a big assumption on my my part, given what happened in 2020. I know that the election was really toyed with, and I think it did affect the election. That's my opinion. I'm entitled to it, damn it, and I'm going to stick with it because uh, the anomalies are too clear for me. My mind is is far too probabilistic and too statistical for, for me to accept your garbage that somehow this was a big lie. Not yours, but you get the idea. But let's assume for the sake of discussion that everything is going to be clean in 2022 and 2024. Um, These things that are happening right now are so monumentally disastrous that Trump or whoever uh, the Republican may be uh, is going to swoop in and do very well in the presidential election. And I think they'll do very well in the midterm elections in 2022. Now, the other thing I'm, I'm curious about, because... I talked to a lot of my liberal friends and I talked to them about, for example, Afghanistan. And I say, wow, this is going to really hurt Biden. And you know, they all said the same thing. Yes. You know, right. This is really clumsily handled. I, he could have done way better. We did need to get out of Afghanistan, but you know what? He could have done it better. Okay. And then they say to me, but you know what? This will be a blip in his record. And by the year 2024, everything will be fine. They'll forget that this even happened. Um, And I say to them, no, 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 this is different. He's going to continue doing one bungled fiasco after the other. Afghanistan is just one of many. Uh, He's looking like an incredible idiot. Uh, he, He is a total failure in every way, and he looks like a total failure.
1: The refusal to answer questions, the getting angry at the questioners and therefore the American people who have questions the walking away, literally, while people have serious questions to ask about how he didn't plan or didn't listen to intelligence, that cost Biden a lot of credibility and trust, and that's hard to get back. Um, I think Biden's poll numbers now are weaker than we ever thought they would be within one year of having taken office among independents, suburban women, and the vote he needs to win elections. So that's the problem for him politically much less that if terrorism takes hold in Afghanistan or we've lost the trust of our military. There are all kinds of consequences to what happened in Afghanistan. By the way, no accountability. Nobody retired, resigned, or said, yeah, we really messed up in Afghanistan. Biden said, well, we went and got the bad guy. And they lied about that, too. Right. That's they true. killed Afghans who were innocent and weren't part of any terror attack.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's such a disaster. You're so right. And and talk about the big lie, right? Everything is the big lie over there. All I can say is, look, I know that this is affecting the mindset of the average American. Um, And they may not have liked Trump. They may not like the Republican values and such, but they do understand that this particular administration is really quite awful uh, and is really being led by the nose by the lefties. And they don't like it. And there are enough people on the margin, who are moderates, if you want to call them that, or simply ready to vote for somebody else if the situation is bad enough for them. And and I think that's going to happen. And I think it should be a slaughter at the end of the day. It was a slaughter, by the way. I think, I think Trump won by a landslide. I do. Um, but that's what we have to guard against.
1: There's one other constituency, which I thought would make a difference in the California recall. But apparently that's just such a lopsided now demographic republicans are 25 percent of the california electorate now so over the last 20 years when no one was looking a lot of the potential larry elder voters left the state but i'm talking about moms and dads who for the first time are aware of what the curricula is being crammed down their little kids throats yeah that is a large demographic
0: that is an interesting point larry i did not think about that Because when we think about demographics, we think about, you know, sadly, and we shouldn't be, uh, you know, in terms of black, Hispanic, uh, maybe religious vote, maybe not uh, white, women and men and things like that. Things that are kind of on the face of it apparent. But uh, here you're talking about a demographic of of being a a parent, Uh, seeing your kids being taught this crap. That is a serious demographic. And, And, of course, that cuts across. All lines, whether Absolutely. black or Chinese or whatever it might be, you don't want your kid, your fifth grader, to learn about anal sex. Thank you very much. Uh, you don't want your um, some crazy boy who goes into your uh, girl's locker room and rape her, uh, and then and then when you complain about it in a town hall or whatever, that you might get arrested. Like this, uh, you know, sad man uh, ended up happening to him. It was a very very sad story. Anyway, the point is. Uh, And and then to make it worse, uh, now you've got uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, saying that we're going to start looking at these people like domestic terrorists. Anybody who complains is a domestic terrorist. In fact, um, you should all shut up and parents should have no say in the education of their children. Who said that, by the way? I forget who was the one. It wasn't Merrick Garland. It was somebody else, some education uh, person. Anyway, if you remember that, that'd be great to know. But they literally said, uh, you know, you have no business in the
1: education of of your own child. Probably Randy Weingarten from the teachers' union. That's something she would say. Yeah.
0: Look, the level of— We don't know for sure, but it was some prominent figure because I don't want to defame her if that's the case.
1: Oh, I got plenty of other uh, case to make against (laughs) her. But the arrogance of the elites, uh, the ruling class, that war on middle class values and interests and families— and opportunity, and small businesses, and school education, and merit—that um, is, I think, an undercurrent of the counter-revolution against the left, the ruling class elite. Yeah, uh, I think that is part of the Trump or Republican coalition—is this antipathy to this arrogant mm-hmm. uh, DC uh, bureaucratic mindset? that we know best, we know all. Really, you know better than suburban moms, uh, black and Hispanic moms who are saying, there's no choice for me in my kids' education. They're stuck in this awful school and there's nowhere else to go. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating.
0: And by the way, I just remembered, uh, it was Miguel Cardona, the uh, I guess the education secretary for the Biden administration who said uh, words to the effect of, not, not uh, the, the woman that you were saying, Randy Weingarten, it was uh, Cardona who said that that you should not, that the parents should not be the primary stakeholders in their children's education. It's like, well, who is the stakeholder then? Well, the teachers that they have, the, their, their primary responsibility? Well, that's the
1: point about Randy Weingarten. We've seen through the entire COVID pandemic that her priority was to advocate for pay for her union teachers because she gets a cut out of every one of those paychecks. Rather than the interest of the kids and the parents, that is a clear, understood message.
0: Yes, you know it, it's uh, it, like uh, Dennis Prager said. Uh, I think that labor unions has as much have as much interest in the education of your children as the Communist Party had the uh, interests of the proletariat uh, or the the workers. Uh, that was just a brilliant point. They, of course, there's no interest. It's all a, a pretext. It's the only. It's the way that they get you to, to comply with their crazy agendas.
1: By the way, Angelo Cotavilla passed away, and it's his writings that really inspired a lot of people to start paying attention to this conversation in America that was long overdue about the ruling class, about the "do as I say, not as I do" crowd. Which, yeah. is, which yeah. is really what got Gavin Newsom in trouble. And you saw it with all the mayors of Chicago and San Francisco and Governor Newsom and all, all the people who continue to this day, by the way, that
0: don't vaccinate their kids
1: but tell everybody else.
0: It's so weird, isn't it? You know, it, Look, the, the do as I say, not as I do uh, you know, uh, mantra from the Democrats, it, it is the easiest thing to point out when you're a journalist, right? You, you show, oh, you're being inconsistent. You know, here you are saying that we should take care of the children, but you're, you're molesting little boys. Or Obama's you know. kids went to private schools, et, right. cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. yeah, with the French laundry thing for Gavin Newsom and such. But it's amazing how little uh, long-term memory uh, most of the population have. And while, while it's an effective tool, and you would think, you know, oddly enough, that it would be so effective against the Democrats because they're so inconsistent, uh, they have security guards like that. Uh, Cory Bush, I think her name was a congresswoman. Uh, she she's happy to pay eighty thousand dollars for her security. And then when she when she gets confronted by it and and says that we should defund the police. On the other hand, she says, "Suck it." to to uh, to the media. Right there. She knows she's being interviewed. And notice who didn't
1: have security guards, Kristen Cinema, who was chased down by the left into of a no, it's exact- bathroom stall.
0: Yeah. Or no, it's 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 as long as it's for the right agenda, then it's okay to, to taunt and harass. Anyway, I'm not I'm not getting into that. I'm simply saying that pointing out inconsistencies well, it's great. We can do that all day long. As I say, we can point out hypocrisies and inconsistencies for three weeks straight, Larry, you and I, without sleep. And it wouldn't make Hunter a difference. Biden
1: and Joe Biden.
0: Well, we could Okay, Hunter Biden is just one more example, but it wouldn't mean anything. You can point it out to the, these people and they say, so what? You know, the famous line from Harry Reid when, when they confronted him and said... You know, you're lying you, about you, Mitt Romney's yeah, taxes. You 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 lied about Mitt Romney's taxes, and you said that he didn't, he hadn't uh, filed any of them for seven years or something like that, and then he just pauses and he says, "Yeah, but we got Obama reelected, didn't we?" As if that was the answer. Like, no, it's not the answer, sir. But but it was very revealing because it's all about power. Look, uh, what this whole the whole mission of this podcast is to demonstrate one thing and really one thing only. There is. You will never have a success as a governing entity unless you have a real mission in front of you, a guiding principle. And the guiding principle, not, you know, it's not just any guiding principle, because like you said, if it's, if it's just about power, that's not a good guiding principle, right? If it's about uh, enforcing communism upon everyone, that's not a good guiding principle either. They're all bad, but there is one guiding principle that, that is wonderful. And it's the American guiding principle, which is in God we trust, limited government, uh, respect for liberty, generally speaking, and the spread of liberty. If you have those uh, general ideas, uh, you will be a great leader. It's hard to be a bad leader, let's put it that way. Uh, As long as you stay true to that northern star, those northern stars, I should say, those general principles, in God we trust. Uh, limited government and the spread of liberty, I think that you really can't go too wrong. But none of those principles are at play in the Biden administration and uh, in the Democrat Party, as far as I can tell. That's, That's my two cents. Anyway, folks, I just want to thank you for listening today. And Larry, thank you so much for being with us today. It's a pleasure, Barack. And we will talk with you next week. God bless.